Oh Dear Podcast. My name is Christian Durant, Senior Vice President of the Oh Dear Podcast, Oh Dear Nation, and Oh Dear Limited. With me, as always, are my two co-hosts, friends, and special guests, Brett Rabold and Nick Whitmer, or better yet, Nick Whitmer and Brett Rabold. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Professional, <laughs> dude. You Practice. know what's funny is I know that's how you actually feel, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I just do it to satisfy, satisfy oh, dear nation. <laughs> no, you guys are closer friends. It's not weird. <laughs> I don't compete over friendship. It's okay, Christian. I get hash, yeah. hashtag Team Whitmer tweets <laughs> every day. So I'm, I don't like how you introduce Brett first. So I got to make it fair to everybody. Uh, yeah, I understand. It's all good. Yeah. You don't realize you? this, but I'm the diva of the podcast. It's so accurate, dude. Whitmer's just like a regular Diana Ross all the time. <laughs> That's why I make one of you do the intro just so I can criticize it <laughs> not my tempo not my and tempo. I only criticize it so you know that i'm the one that's in charge it's a lot safer recording <laughs> remotely because i remember when i would mess up an intro like when we were together live in the studio whitmer would hurl a chair at me <laughs> <laughs> so this is it's, it's a lot safer for my you know my mental space not in my body my body as well I would hurl a chair and then say, I did not spend two hours putting makeup on for you to fuck up the intro like that, you piece of shit. Oh, man. Whitmer, do you, uh, did you see Whiplash, that movie that I kind of referenced? With yeah, man. Movie? I love that movie. It is one of the great movies of our Brilliant time. Brilliant movie. Of the last decade, I'm convinced that that is a top 10 movie of the 2010s. You know what's weird? I think most women who I've talked to about that movie thought it was uh, a bad message or something, and they didn't really like it. But like men are like, yeah, <laughs> she was fucking, dude, you got to struggle. You got to be abused. That's the only way to make good shit. <laughs> and it is like, it's a very male notion where yeah. you're like, just no, you just got to be one of the greats that's it there's no being great you just got to be one of the greats and none of us will achieve that <laughs> none of us men in general i think the senior vice president of the odeo nation i think he's going to be one of the greats thank you thank you i've already you know i've already done a lot to uh shoot myself in the foot though uh, <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? Well, you get married. You <laughs> <laughs> you start getting comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you rent cool. houses in the Hamptons. Had <laughs> caviar. Yeah, caviar, a, a puppy. Real. I mean, yeah, that's no, true. You know, we can call them either creature comforts or life. You know, I like to call them creature comforts. That that's why I refer to your 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 wife, your life. <laughs> it's creature comfort. <laughs> yeah, my wife always likes that when I refer to it as a creature. creature. <laughs> um, that's an interesting question because that's kind of when I first started dating Sarah and it got kind of serious. Like she stayed over one night in uh, my old really shitty ap apartment and she was like, you only have one towel. And I was like, yeah, because I'm not famous, so I don't deserve more than one towel. <laughs> like, like, we really have this, like, weird, like, Rocky Three thing going on. Like, yeah. in Rocky Three, like, once he got success and shit and started having stuff, like, his, he lost the eye of the tiger, quote of unquote. So 
I feel like that's always like a warning side for people who are like haven't made it to where they want to make it yet is like don't get too comfortable or else it'll never happen. But at the same time, it's like you I have amazing experiences that have helped me professionally in terms of just material just by actually living a life of not a fucking drifter. <laughs> so um yeah, I, I, gotta, I don't know if it's I true. Know. I got to go with a counterpoint here. Waymer, ever since you got that second towel, your comedy has suffered. <laughs> <laughs> ever since, there's like a noticeable drop off of pre-second towel and post-second towel wit. And I love it. I don't know. You just lost your edge, dude. You lost what made you you. You sold out <laughs> to the general public <laughs> by having That's a different really shower and masturbation towel. That's really, Speaking really of funny. which, if you need a masturbation towel, go to thecumrags.com. <laughs> uh, I want to can, can I pay you guys to plug the cum rags? <laughs> of course, dude. Yeah. I'll do oh, anything. Happily for take money. that. <laughs> yeah, Wimmer took my money this weekend. So just so people know. Um, yeah. and you know, we went to the Hamptons. Yes. Um, yes, we did. Which, you know. Christian's incredible wife, Natasha. I like to think that her her tide has raised all the boats. Mm. Um, <laughs> and that a guy like me or, you know, certainly a guy like Whitmer has no business being <laughs> <laughs> So there was a moment this past week. So we had the Hamptons this past weekend, and uh, it yeah. was really fun celebrating Chris and Natasha's birthdays. But um, there's a moment this past weekend where just Wit and I, I think we're just on a couch, uh, six feet apart. And, of course. Um, there is uh, – Whitmer just looked at me and we were just like talking about, you know, where Whitmer has been. Like, like Whitmer's just like, yeah, I was raised on a mountain in Virginia and now look at me. I'm at <laughs> I know he didn't really say that, right? <laughs> or did a, he? A version of that. I mean, like tongue in it cheek. It wasn't like not that. Like, it was like tongue in cheek, not like yeah. I've made it, made it. Right. Whitmer's funny, Christian. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just kind of like a, because Brad will always say to me, like, like, uh, you know, the fact that you live in New York and do comedy is amazing, considering you grew up on a mountain. And then yeah. I was saying something along the lines yes. of. Yeah, man, and who would have thought that I'd be in the Hamptons right now? Kind of as like a joke. Yeah. But um, kind of like in a funny way, though, because one, no one on the mountain really knew what the Hamptons were. (laughs) So if I told someone told me when I was 10, hey, you're going to be in the Hamptons one day, I'd be like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) (laughs) No one would believe it because they didn't know what the hell it is. Yeah. But I'll do that with Wimmer. I'll do that with pretty much everything. Like this is the past week. Yeah, we're in the Hamptons, which is obviously known as one of like the, I don't know, ritzy or summer vacation spots. Yeah. But I'll like do that. Wimmer, I'll do that. With like, we'll be at like a dingy, shitty basement bar. And I'll be like, man, you're in a mountain of Virginia. Now look at you. <laughs> <laughs> you're at Karma Lounge, open mind. <laughs> oh, man. So, guys, what were your thoughts on the past weekend? How'd you feel about it? Just quickly, real quick, because yeah. I, I just want to bring up one, like one thing. Um, both Louis C.K. and Chris Rock talking about comfort, where Chris Rock said he didn't really become a good comedian until he like got married and bought a house. Like so, once mm-hmm. he had a 
had a mortgage, he was like, fuck, I got to get good. <laughs> so I think that's a flip side of that. But going back that's to the a, no, 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 that we can talk more about that because I think that's a, that is a good argument that like, you know, let's be real. Yeah. Natasha likes a certain lifestyle. <laughs> you better get your writing, Chris. I know, really. <laughs> I know. I have to write like $3 million worth of shit. <laughs> <laughs> And soon. Chris, <laughs> <laughs> get describing. I know. Like, if you yeah. think about it that way, you're like, God, like, what, what do I write? <laughs> <laughs> That's when you start going, like, can we make another Avengers movie? <laughs> um, the Green Hornet, we could reboot We could that. do something with that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Smurfs? They do anything with the Smurfs? What's something for He-Man? Have they made a He-Man live action movie yet? Because that's a money grab. Can you just take that from James Cameron and do like Titanic colon Avatar edition and it's Titanic remade with the Navi. <laughs> I like the idea of remaking Titanic, but with like revisionist history the way Quentin yeah. Tarantino does. Yeah. And uh, there's like a group of scruffy, you know, like an entourage type that uh, melts the ice caps before the Titanic hits it. Yeah. And like that's the whole movie. It's like from their point of view. <laughs> we should would, remake. Oh, go ahead, Chris. No, that would be the ballsy move for Tar- Tarantino's like so and so. Like, quote unquote last film is a Titanic movie where it doesn't crash. <laughs> but then what's going to happen is Rose and uh, Leo are going to get to shore and she's going to be like, it's fun to like live in that romance of like, I'm dating a popper. Amazing. On a fucking God, when, you get, so when you get to shore, she's like, Ooh, hey, yeah. Ooh. Uh, yeah. You know, the rich guy actually has four houses. So, yeah. so we're going to the Hamptons and yeah. <laughs> you can go back to your mountain in West Virginia. Yeah, it's pretty, true love is great for 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but once the reality of life comes, it's like, well, yeah. I don't know. Really? You ever it's hooked guy. up on a cruise before? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, do you have a 401k? <laughs> it doesn't really matter when we're fucking in a fucking boat but <laughs> when we're on land having a 401k matters so. yeah you're not you're not uh uh 10 million dollars charismatic you know <laughs> <laughs> your charisma is worth eh, 80 grand like okay you get a normal job leo uh <laughs> they wouldn't be together if they remade titanic i don't think they would i think yeah, come uh, to her senses I, I, I mean, there's no universe where she's going to be, like, okay with that. Also, like, they stole that crown, for that jewel or whatever. Yeah. So they I guess they could have pawned it and then bought a house, right? Yeah, that's true. I guess. But then she would be she would be really uh, bitter the whole time that she had to sell her thing to get yeah. the house. It's like, what are you doing, Leo? I sold my fucking pendant. Like, that thing was worth so much money. What did you sacrifice, huh? He's like, I'm telling you, I'm working on... This scheme. <laughs> Me and my buddy are gonna sell comrades. <laughs> it's the next thing. I'm telling you. God. Or he's like, I'm I'm working on a novel about our time of the Titanic. <laughs> Fucking relax. And she's like, I wish you would have made it crash then, and you're like, uh <laughs> that's a good idea. Um, but um anyway, the Hamptons. 
Yeah, really nice. And the funny thing is, is we stayed in Southampton, and that's like the that's like the uh, the blue collar Hamptons. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> it's like that's still the nicest place I've ever been. I know. Yeah, that's, that's what they're explaining to me. They're like East Hampton is where like the Wall Street like billionaires have giant. Yeah. Forty-five million dollar mansions. Where we were, they were just modest three to five million dollar. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's kind of funny that both of those exist because I feel like the people who live in the Southamptons are probably like, "Fuck, man, we're not at the real Hamptons." Yeah, and then the people in East Hampton are like, it, "Oh, it, that trash down south." Yeah. <laughs> no, it kind like, of really. No, you're all millionaires. You're fine. No, what you make a good point. It really puts a. Uh... I don't know. It puts it into context, and it makes me not really enjoy the weekend as much. Knowing, <laughs> like, it kind of you know it taints the memories. Knowing, like, oh, this is just like a shitty. Well, the crazy thing about it was we were at the house of like, um, it was an Airbnb, and this house, like, it's in the Hamptons, so it probably costs what two million, three million, or something. I it think was a- Sarah. Um- uh, Natasha looked it up and it said it sold for like 3.8, but that right. was like five or six years ago. So it's easily worth like five or six now. Yeah. So five million, like a $5 million house who, uh, from a boxer that I've never heard of. Like that makes me <laughs> crazy. That, yeah. Like, this guy did it. I can do it. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. That, yeah. He, there's no way he made his money in boxing though. I don't like, know. There's just, he must have got had a lawsuit or something like, I don't, like <laughs> there's no way he won the boxing match and won that money he had to have like slipped on the way into the ring and then slew, sued the arena and then, like, he slipped the workers comp from don yeah, King. he's like I, we, none of us have heard of him and i know boxing and like i said it before at the hamptons i was like if you're a boxer who could afford this house i've definitely heard of you because like yeah. there's a big disparity in boxing where you're either you have a house like that or you literally make minimum wage. Yeah, or and you're you have heard of the minimum wage people, and you have heard of the people who have houses like that. We and you an era. Sorry, Chris. I, no, well, like, I don't know how old he is. I didn't. I didn't talk to him, but I would assume he's probably what 50s, 60s. I would assume. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the guy. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't seen any pictures, but I, like if you're you're either Floyd Mayweather or you're a do a Palooka who has Alzheimer's and is wor- living in a boxing gym, like that's yeah, yeah, that's kind yeah. of it. Yeah, but that that makes me wonder, like, was this boxer? We how are we sure it wasn't one of those boxers from like the twenties who put their arms like that? And yeah, he would be dead. Been yeah. in the house. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I thought like or, oh, it's one of those houses that's just been in the house, family. Or, like, yeah, that's a good point. Twenty years. It could be a oh, boxer's son. I, I suppose, but his name was the same first name, so it's not mm. out of the realm of possibility. But that's true. Um, we were texting a guy, and that guy's first name was on like the boxing documents downstairs in the basement. So, mm. I mean, it's very possible that there was his dad, and they just named the kid the same name or something, but. I didn't. I didn't think that when I looked at it. And also, the the docking, the doc, the boxing forms didn't look um, like they were from that era. Imagine you just forged them. He just like <laughs> just made it all up. He's got WWE championship belts on the wall. Yeah, that's my, uh, that's the welterweight. They're the ones you buy at Walmart for kids. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, I mean, if you like, if your name is like Doug. 
Weedleheisen or whatever, and uh, you're, you have WWE championship belts, it stands to reason, like, maybe he was fucking Sting. Like, you don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy with the mask. Yeah, it could be Rey Mysterio. Yeah, yeah it just, that's, they're all stage names. Yeah. So. That's so funny. But yeah, we had a great, we had an amazing time. So glad you guys came because that was like the most fun. And I realized I hadn't seen Brett since March, like in Dude, person. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy, I look, man. How'd I look? You look good, man. <laughs> yeah, you were fucking. You were like. Other than Tim, you like had the best abs in the place. Oh hell yeah, dude! Yeah, there was one like giant he was jack guy. Um, other than me, of course. But uh, he's like, I know. And before he's like, oh, don't judge me. I've gained weight. I'm like muscle, probably. But fucking. <laughs> that's yeah. That's so funny. That well, of all people who could be body shamed, Tim was like literally. <laughs> he was literally ripped. <laughs> yeah. the, um, uh, I want to tell this story on the uh, on the old podcast about that weekend. So uh, I'll be I'll be honest with everyone out there. It was a weekend where I was seeing friends, so I intended to have a couple of J's. So I brought a couple of marijuana cigarettes mm-hmm. to the. Uh, and in my head, I was like, oh, I'll smoke one and I'll give one to friend or friends to smoke. Mm-hmm. So there's a point in time where I had smoked like a third of the one I brought. And I was about to get back in the pool. So I took it out of my pocket and I put the joint on a next to a phone, like by the hot tub. And I forgot about it. And what we should also tell you is that this past weekend, one of Chris, uh, uh, Natasha's like aunts was there who brought her 12 year old son <laughs> so i had forgotten about the joint minutes la- like 30 minutes later natasha was like oh hey uh, brett or uh, the kid's name which i won't say let's just say chris will you go um shit you're chris let's yeah i know is call him doug doug <laughs> uh, oh doug will you uh or will you go grab my phone and then 10 minutes after he grabbed it, i was like shit my joint was totally on the phone <laughs> and so i had to go up to a 12 year old the most bashful adult and be like hey man did you uh see uh like a cigarette on the phone <laughs> and then his mom heard me say that and from upstairs said yep i saw it i put it on the counter right there and then i couldn't find it so on the counter and then i went back up to the 12 year old i was like hey have you seen it and he was like, oh, yeah, here it is. And then he handed me the joint. Yeah. <laughs> and then my favorite part of the story is that there were several people, including, I think, Whitmer and uh-huh. Sarah, his wife, <laughs> and someone else, who all they know about the context of this is they watched a 12-year-old hand me a joint. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're like, what's going on there? We're like, is this a puff, puff, pass situation? And he's just like smoking weed in front of the kid's parents with the kid (laughs) like i was like that's so ballsy what is happening it's a little little too nonchalant there brett yeah he literally and he passed it to you like he just took a hit too (laughs) like it was just like it just like i we all looked over at the same time i think it was todd's wife laura and sarah and i and we literally all were looking at you for some reason and we just saw (laughs) him pass the joint over and it was just like what 
Is Brett smoking weed with a 12 year old? You're like, dude, that's not. I hand him a Playboy. I'm like, yeah, I'm a fucking cool guy here. Because <laughs> we were by, at one point, we were by like the hot tub, which is like a little farther out from the pool, like the start of the pool. So we're like, we're in the hot tub. And then Doug, the 12 year old, goes, uh, are, are they smoking weed over there? And we uh, we all instinctively went, no, oh, no, 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 no way, no way. And then Doug's dad is standing right there. He goes, yeah, they're, they're smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, we don't lie to him. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, all right then. That was It was really funny because we were on that – I was with them in that corner, and they were like, should we like go out front? And we're like, no, don't worry about it. Just tell him it's cigarettes. <laughs> like He's over there too. He's not with us at the moment. And he yeah, was a that, funny kid and I was, he was fun to hang with. He, at one point he said to me, like, he's like, uh, you know, I know stuff I shouldn't know. <laughs> and I go, uh, yeah, man. Like what? And he goes like where babies come from. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I was like, where? And I started taking notes. Basically. <laughs> I remember at one point we were all in the kitchen. He comes in and he goes, who's Harvey Weinstein? And we're like, oh, uh, <laughs> Um. Oh boy! Well, oh he's a very successful producer who did nothing wrong. That's <laughs> Christian goes. He's my hero. Funny you mention it. It feel doesn't that feel like you would have seen me hand him five dollars to ask that question <laughs> to a kitchen of adults? Oh, uh, seriously! But oh, it was so much fun, man. I um. You realize, like, when you get around people, you're like, man, I haven't seen people in a while. Like, this is fucking <laughs> great. Tons of food made by Chef Whitmer all weekend. Uh, I only made a couple things. You guys all crushed it. I was a hell of a sous chef. Christian, you it know, was. I, the boys, Christian, who was a better sous chef, Whit? Um, well, Christian was more of a co chef, so you get mm-hmm. it by default. <laughs> no, I was a better sous chef. That was the question, and I yeah. took it. <laughs> Yeah, well, Christian and I made pizzas. We made like the doughs and stuff. It was that the pizzas were awesome, man. They I were was very really good. Proud, proud of the pizza. I made steak that I liked. The pasta. I made pasta Wednesday night before mm-hmm. you got there, Brett, and I thought the pasta was pretty good. We had like a dinner. We had like yeah. we we turned like the one dining room like we turned the lights off and put the candles on. It felt like we were at a restaurant. So yeah, like, shout out to Jesse. Nice. He, like, yeah, I know. That's smart. He it up. That's dope. Yeah, it was fun. It and was uh, then the people there um, who had who have money and stuff are like, we want to invest in your guys' restaurant. And we're mm-hmm. talking about naming it Piggy Boys. Piggy Boys. Uh, Piggy Boys Pizza or something because Christian, every time he wants to eat something, he, he has to call himself Piggy Boy yeah. <laughs> to shame anytime, himself a little bit. Yeah. Anytime I want to eat bad food, I go, oh, does Piggy Boy want some ice cream? Piggy <laughs> Boy wants some ice cream? And then I don't want to eat it as much. <laughs> I yeah. thought it'd be cool. Instead of doing a Piggy Boys B O Y apostrophe S, it should be called Piggy Boys with a uh, S apostrophe after the S, and it's mm. Piggy Boys Pizza. Oh yeah, like his <laughs> possessive. Yeah, I'll see your Piggy Boys possessive, and I'll raise you Piggy Boys Boys spelled B O I S. Doesn't that kind of seem sick, right? Piggy yeah, Boys. Man. That's like a barbecue place in Louisiana. Piggy Boys. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was that was a an amazing, amazing, amazing experience. Dude, like, I I was a sous chef with Whitmer, and I told this yeah. to Chris. This guy was the most strict chef I'd ever seen. <laughs> Literally, like, Whitmer looked at me and he goes, "Dude, if you got time to lean, you got time to clean." And he wasn't trying to be funny. 
He wasn't trying <laughs> no, to I did not say that. He said that 100% true. I, I did it. say if there's nothing to clean, you can do push-ups for my amusement. <laughs> <laughs> but I meant that as a joke. And then Brett was like, how many? <laughs> <laughs> I know you made call, uh, you made Brett call you chef, which that was... <laughs> I did not, actually. <laughs> I wanted him to. I said yeah. he had to call you chef. I never want to be called the chef. <laughs> I'm like, just, just Whitmer is fine. You got to do all the restaurant stuff. Like, yeah. uh, give me, pass me a spoon. Heard. Heard. <laughs> right behind chef. Um, I took it, no, I took it seriously. You know, I had a rule that I could, I always had to stay within like three steps of Whitmer when I, even when I wasn't doing a task. So I just like yeah. followed him. He saluted me at one point. <laughs> Why are you saluting me? It's fun to take. It was it funny. I did teach him how to sear a New York strip. Oh, like, nice. And, and based it. Did yeah, you that, learn? So Brett has that skill now. That was something that you learn the way you can cook it. I mean, basting it is a way to just like multiply the flavor by four. And mm-hmm. then it's also searing it was a good thing to learn because – I learned from Whitmer that the fat on a steak, you know, the marble area where there's that fat, we usually just kind of like toss that out because we're like, ah. But then I learned from Whitmer, if you sear that, it becomes super like, I mean, fucking delicious. But then also like the texture is like a a good texture that it's not like that gross marble chewy feeling if you get good fat. That's because like – people never cook steaks with high enough temperatures. So like if you have a nonstick pan and you like put a steak in it and you cook it, you know, an olive oil or something, it's never going to get hot enough. So that fat just turns to what we used to call it growing up was grizzle. Everybody's like, Oh, it's grizzle. Mm. You just chop that off the fat. You chop that off the steak and you eat the leaner part. But if you cook it right, the fat literally turns into like a meat butter and it's like soft and, delicious it melts in your mouth but then also it'll get a crisp on the outside so it'll give you some texture it's awesome yeah it's a great technique it, i mean it's very helpful watching whitmer work because whitmer was you're very uh i feel like your mind's kind of constantly moving on the tasks and sometimes your body is able to go into like this what's the right just like robotic like you know what the the task you're doing so you're just yeah. doing the task rotely but your brain is like all right what am i doing next you're not yeah. using your mental space on like sh- shalloting onions or something yeah it, it's uh it's basically <clears throat> and it, uh, everybody who cooks gets this it's basically uh, my dad is a pilot and he talks about it. it's it's just um you're in flow doing, say it, christian you're in flow yeah, you're in flow, and it's like my dad when he's flying a plane will be using two separate hands to do two different tasks at the same time. But he's also looking at another instrument. It's like multitasking. He's also but, texting while flying. Yeah, he's also yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's texting me a link about a conspiracy. <laughs> and, um, his final text to me <laughs> from OneAmericanNewsNetwork.com. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle Obama's a man. <laughs> what a silly fucking conspiracy no but you're saying it it's like muscle memory yeah and it just it just like you compartmentalize and your your mind has to kind of leave your body to have the next two or three steps ready or else you're going to forget something and you by the way you forget a lot of shit when you're cooking it's just like i've been cooking for i don't know maybe five years at home 
and I've only recently, I feel like, become comfortable with multitasking. Like I, like the other day, I was making an omelet, and we growing our own green onions in our windowsill, and I brought out the green onion, and I diced it up, and I was gonna put it on top of the omelet, and I just fucking forgot. And then I walk back after breakfast, and I'm like, shit, all this green onion. But you know, it, it happens. It was yeah. interesting to learn, Whitmer. I didn't know. I didn't know this, or I guess I hadn't like just that you didn't start like cooking till after you met Sarah. So yeah. At uh, what point did you start cooking in your relationship? Because part of me is like, would you guys have stayed together if you weren't this good of a cook? <laughs> <laughs> well, so you, I, I upped your stock, is what I'm saying. It's like it's easier it to date to. and want to marry someone who's a phenomenal chef. Yeah, well, so I grew up cooking like with my dad on weekends and stuff. So I always liked cooking and I always liked food and I always had like an understanding of like flavors coming together, but I was never really practiced in any way at all. But when I was dating Sarah, I he was just bragging. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a good cook. I can cook. And so she was like, okay, let's let's cook. So I had to like get good. <laughs> it was like I lied about being able to headline. Yeah. <laughs> the montage yeah, of women yeah. reading fucking books and like yeah. – <laughs> That's kind of how I started stand up. Some I told my I wanted to do it, and I told my friends that I had been doing it. So I was like, if I keep lying, I'm gonna have to do it eventually. Like I'm gonna force myself to have to do it. Yeah, and then it's just like cooking for her, and then watching cooking shows, and then eventually reading books, and then I got really into it uh, outside of just trying to impress her. But uh, but mainly, yeah, it was just to impress Sarah. That was the reason why I even started cooking. Yeah, because mm. your comedy wasn't doing the trick, right, Christian? <laughs> <laughs> Easy roast. Speaking of uh, speaking of Sarah, she made a great point about the house. So she was, or about the people of the house. She was like, it was such a great like crew of people. Like no, there was no stank person. Yeah, <laughs> I love yeah. how she would put that. There's no yeah. stank because usually, like, if you get some people together, it's like there's always like one just like, yeah. Like or there's like one who doesn't get along with another person there, yeah. so you have to just make sure that they don't interact too long. There's always like a weird dynamic, but this was right. like perfectly casted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's really funny. It, it, there is always a thing too at social gatherings, and I agree that I don't think there was anyone. There was no one you would have gotten trapped in a conversation with. No, yeah. I don't know. Where like, you know, when you're trapped in a conversation and then you see people across the room laughing and you're like, right. oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, I missed it. There was a moment of joy there. Fuck. There wasn't cl- like that. You clearly weren't there when I was telling Sarah about fucking Chris Benoit then. <laughs> Dude, he oh, no, I, I didn't do that. But Brett's a great person to have in that, like a situation like that, especially with people he doesn't know that well. It's like, cause he can pretty much, he could talk to anybody. He was like babysitting Doug the whole time. And like, and also like just interacting and like really having deep conversations with like everybody there. And like, I, I was like sort of watching him and go like, I really admire that. Like I, cause I don't necessarily do it. I just like shut down and watch. Yeah. You know what? I think it, I, I mean, I comes from my mom is really good at talking with anyone about anything from anywhere. I actually think one of my strong suits is I know a little bit about a lot of stuff. I don't know mm-hmm. a lot about anything, but I know just a little <laughs> bit about a lot of stuff to where I can kind of ask questions or, or give yeah. a little more information to get more interesting answers yeah. out of the person who does know more. It's like even even the drag queen race, like I do know a little bit about drag, 
I know a little bit about sports. I know a little bit about politics. Mm -hmm. I know a little bit about like literature. I just know a little, little, not a lot about a wide variety of stuff. And at some point I'm going to have, we're going to have something I can kind of ask you. I know a little bit about wrestling. Mm -hmm. I can ask you slightly more interesting questions. Which was funny because like I was like, uh, I guess it was Thursday or Friday or whatever. It was like partly cloudy. So we weren't in the pool as much. And there was one point where I Brett was just listening to me talk about wrestling for a while, but he keeps asking questions. So I keep going and I'm like, I, I so rarely get a, an opportunity to talk about it with someone who like someone who's listening that I was just like, I could see him yawning at points, but I was like, I don't care. This is like, this is my time now. <laughs> I wasn't. I w- I'm not humoring it. I find it's like, you know, if someone's giving you new information, it's all good. Like, yeah. I don't have this information, these like goofy, funny stories about wrestling. Yeah. Well, there's minutia I can talk about, but I, but I know like if I'm talking about it to somebody who doesn't know or care, then I'll like, I'll try to keep it to like the interesting, like sort of universal stories that would relate yeah. to somebody. You know, Chris Benoit, the one about killing your wife. <laughs> <laughs> killing your wife I didn't do that, by the way. <laughs> I didn't do that to Sarah. That would be horrible. Sarah made a good point about drag race. She's like, it's basically like wrestling for yeah. you know, gay guys or something. She was like, they like put on a character, they dress up as it, and then they just elevate their persona. And like, <laughs> you know, as the drag race is basically like Monday Night Raw. <laughs> like when you watch Raw. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of I kind of stepped in. There was like a big watch party going on for RuPaul Drag Race. Uh-huh. I, I, tr- I gave it a shot and I was just like, oh, let me see what this is all about. I wasn't trying to be like, well, I'm not watching that. I just was <laughs> kind of watching. And then we ended up talking about Ben Stiller and heavyweights. And I was like, I guess I'm not that into drag race. <laughs> it, it was fun. I mean, it's funny. When Whitmer walked in, he goes, no, get it off screen. Get it off screen. No, get this off my television. Fuck, no. It was really alarming, Whitmer. Yeah. The thing is Christian was being polite. He's like, oh, so who won drag race? And they're like, oh, Shea Coulee. And he was like, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> you know what's funny is I remember um, I, I it was like one of those moments that you're doing that like oh I'm trying to bond like hey we got some common pro uh, proper nouns and they were talking about Shay Goulet who's the the best drag queen on that season that was the finale she won yeah and was, I real real quick because yeah. I saw a little bit was she the one who dressed up like Buddha or. There was a one that was Jewish. There was a black one, and there was an Asian one. She was okay. the black one. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. So, um, but I heard it as Nick Lachey, and so I was like, <laughs> I, I hopped in on a conversation. He goes like, "Oh, Nick Lachey, I've seen him live. He's ripped." <laughs> <laughs> Thinking, all right, they're gonna like me for the Nick Lachey, and then they're gonna like me being like, "Dude, that guy's ripped, right?" It's just and funny because it looked like apropos of nothing. Brett was like, "Oh." What do gay people like? Oh, Nick Lachey. I know Nick Lachey. Yeah, I saw him live one time. Yeah, he's great. Uh, I thought they were talking about Nick Lachey. Yeah. Shea Goulet. Very similar names. Yeah. That show is really interesting because I I don't – reality competition shows, even cooking ones, I, I can barely stand. But I usually watch that show while Sarah watches it, and then I, I'm on my phone, and I'll just kind of look up every few minutes. But there are some genuine parts of the show that are, like, really good. Um, there's one of the 
con- uh, competitions each season. It's called Snatch Game, and they have to like do a character, like an impression of somebody. And this season, Shea Coulee did uh, um, uh, what the hell's his name, Flava Flav. Mm-hmm. And usually, it's like they dress up as like a diva or a woman, but he actually like dressed up as a male rapper and like cra- he was like fucking hysterical. Yeah. So it's it's like they show off like drag queens just how talented and really funny they are too. There's a lot of similarities I think between stand up and being a drag queen. There's a lot of I you know you admire how versatile of entertainers they are. Yeah. And it, I mean it kind of makes me think that like as comedians sometimes we can like pigeonhole ourselves or have like this calcified viewpoint of what it means to be a stand up. Mm-hmm. But if you can add some of the zhuzh that they bring to the stage, not that I'm going to walk on stage and be like, what's up, bitches? Y'all ready to get fucked <laughs> in the face? But like, <laughs> but, like, still some of that, like, swagger and some of that, like, it's just zhuzh, I think could help anyone stand up. Like, just learning to just be as comfortable as they are being yeah. vulnerable on stage and going outside of – comfort zones i could there see brad going up wearing heels and like a mink scarf <laughs> calling everybody honey <laughs> <laughs> listen honey and then work being catty to everybody <laughs> that's really the that's the whole deal no that's that's a uh, dismissive sorry uh there's a lot more to it i apologize no, I mean, I don't think that was remotely offensive to say that the drag queens sometimes are catty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's sort of, in large part, a portion of the shtick. Yeah. Again, there are more than that. But yeah, Christian, I don't think you committed a microaggression. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Was there anything else that happened that weekend that I'm like, we're missing? I, I feel oh, like it was just kind of a good time for most uh, of it. We could talk in, uh, I mean, Whitmer... We could talk about how I wiped the floor with you guys in poker. Um, oh my god! <laughs> not revisionist history it at all. I, uh, no, it's not a revisionist history. It's just a lie <laughs> to the cleaners. Well, here's the thing: when you play poker with like a bunch of people, the first hand is always like their personality. Everybody plays their personality. So, first of all, Brett is a prankster. So the idea of bluffing and having nothing and getting away with something <laughs> is who he is. So he's going to bluff the very first hand. Whitmer like wants to play poker. He wants to be like the head fucking poker guy. So he's going to play <laughs> smart, but he's also going to like he's going to be smart about it and he's going to like bet, bet big and probably has a good hand. Todd uh Todd is like Todd wants to play Todd's a little similar. He wants to play right away. I'll, I might fold because I'm a fucking quiet <laughs> dick. Christian only plays when he's got trip aces. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I'm just fucking around. I did it's, get trip aces on one. <laughs> and fucking, I just cleaned Todd out. On dude, yeah, you hit the boat. Oh, yeah, I know. I got a full you house. You hit trip aces on the flop, and then it was runner, runner seven, and you had the fucking full house. Um, that's kind of true because... <clears throat> 
one of the things I noticed that you did, Christian, and I actually, and this is the second game that we never finished, mm-hmm. and I have the same issue, is whenever you are like, you're dominating in the chip lead, you start to like, be a little <laughs> bit more liberal with how you play, and then of you just course. start losing hands, because you're like, ah, eh, fuck it, why not? Yeah. Let's throw this in. Yeah. yeah, all right, I'll call you. I got, yeah, all right, let's go. Yeah, I and got like, three seven. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's like the biggest weakness, because like, they, yeah. the strategy is like, when you have a big hand, you should just bully everybody, or we yeah. have big chips and you can just bet so much that they just can't call unless they're confident that they have the best hand on the board right. and then you can just steal pots yeah. but like right. you you're not comfortable them. and i'm not comfortable being a bully in any capacity <laughs> so like you and i both struggle having a lot of chips having said that i had no problem taking all of brett's chips <laughs> <laughs> which i will say I will say you did have a moment where you got quite lucky on one of the turns and that has to be, you know, we have to just talk honestly. You got lucky on a turn and that well, happened. Well, you made a betting error, I still say, but I understand what you were – you were slow playing trying to make me think that you didn't have a good hand and you had two pair on the flop, but I had pocket sevens and you bet so low that I was like – and I had a bunch of chips. So I was like, I'll call the minimum bet just maybe my hand improves or something and i turned the the set of sevens which is just you're right it's lucky that i mean i think i heard when you have pocket of anything there's only like a 11 percent chance that you hit a set on the river and then it goes down to like three percent and then one percent on the, the oh just the, yeah yeah so it's like it was improbability that i hit three of a kind on the turn um but i also say if you just bet two more dollars i would have folded <laughs> yeah, so it was just kind of funny because i was the only reason why i called is because you bet the minimum if you bet the one above the minimum i would have folded of like a queen and a nine i was like yeah. oh i'm set this is awesome pair, yeah. so i have a feeling i'm gonna have the best hand throughout this because there wasn't any like flush or straight probability so i was like oh yeah. i'm i got this so just let yeah. him think i suck at poker and let him bet me in. <laughs> and uh there was there was a strategy there and i think i got bamboozled by the odds on that one and i yeah. think that's fair to say with that said i still got outplayed outmanned and outclassed so i'm not trying to you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm taking responsibility and saying yeah i'm not as good as poker as you guys <laughs> yeah, it's, i mean it's not that you know it's just four friends playing for 10 bucks yeah at, nah. at some point at some point, like, I just want to play, so I'll just, like, like, especially the first hand, I'll just, like, if I, even if I have nothing, I was like, I still want to see it, so, yeah. <laughs> so I'll just play whatever, but, um, uh, no, it was just, like, it was whatever, it just ended too sh- quickly, so once it yeah. gets down to two people, I'm like, let's just finish this and fucking, <laughs> so I'll just, like, throw all the money into everything and end up losing, not because I'm so great, but. Wimmer, I think you should tell this story, the brief story on the podcast, because you you used to do like poker nights with some random buddies, right? Yeah. People will laugh at this. You just tell the story of this one guy, his his quirk or his habit. So uh, Monday night was poker night is what we always did. So it was like me and like 10 other friends, sometimes 12 people total. And we were in like a, like a league almost like the, to be fair to this person before I say it, um, we took it seriously. Like we had a board, uh, and we kept 
our stats for the season and like we all put money in and like the person who won the season won like a big pot like we, we were pretty serious but okay, at the same yeah. time like the buy-in for the poker tournament was only like 20 bucks so it wasn't yeah. like we weren't like high rollers by any means but anyway um this one particular friend um of mine would uh, when we would listen to Music Choice, so my friend had like DirecTV in his garage, so we would turn on Music Choice, and a lot of times, you know, we would rotate. But whenever we listened to eighties, uh, my friend had uh, a song that he believed gave him good luck, and that that song was the Final Countdown by Europe. <laughs> and whenever the Final Countdown came on, he pulled up his hood and then put sunglasses on and like. <laughs> stitched his hood up to where you could barely see his face and he just got this like super serious tone (laughs) and and it's just like when i tell that story it just sounds like the biggest douchebag of all time (laughs) it's just like we're all friends here you know like it's like what are you trying to do but i will say like when you're a competitive person you're like you're i mean you're trying to win but also, maybe there's Relax. no correlation between a song by Europe and your success. On a hey, I mean, you're like a guy throwing elbows and pick up basketball. It's like, yeah. you know, <laughs> like you don't gotta like body people. You can like have a little physical contact, yeah. but like, come on, man, let's not. We're all out of shape a little, so let's not hurt each other. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a questionable choice, I'll say. <laughs> yeah, I always have weird feelings about people who have like like domination tactics in like that like a pickup basketball game or like a friendly game of poker like those weirdly competitive people who like yeah. need to win i these people are gross to me i've yeah, had I've never, I've, i'm competitive in some ways but not like i need to dominate my best friend today on the court so he <laughs> knows that i'm the dominant basketball player like that's no interest in you know, like if, if I go to a park and we're playing like three on three or something, I'm competitive. I want to win, but I'm also not a douchebag. And especially yeah. if it's just all my friends. Yeah. You know, my brother Jordan, on the other hand, when he wins, he yells out, <laughs> I am the alpha. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, fine. Take it. Man. All right. Easy. All right. Yeah, you're the alpha. All right. <laughs> Anytime so- I go. When I'm around a person like that and I, I feel like it's starting to get like I need to – that person is starting to be like, oh, I need to be competitive about this or like I'm going to fucking show Christian off. I'm like – I immediately just go, all right, I'm done. <laughs> and yeah. I just kind of walk away because it it would bother them so much more that I'm like – it's like war games. The only the only way to win is to not play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's a mind game because it makes you – be like, well, what's wrong with me? They didn't want to play with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I grew up a competitive kid. I've had to react against that notion. I've had times where I've like was the comp- overly competitive guy in pickup, but you know, I also was taking home W's. So you tell me. You tell me <laughs> I'm sure in that playground they remember you, Brett, to this day. Oh yeah, they you know I'll I'll write them letters and say remember when I fucking owned you in dodgeball you fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, uh, it's like an amazing weekend. Yeah, it's um, awesome, man. Same weekend that the Chainsmokers also did a concert in Southampton, in which case they apparently didn't abide by the social distancing guidelines and are now being uh, investigated by the New York health department is that well, right 
Um, From what I understand, like gatherings are supposed to be held under 25 people in New York right now at like phase four. And we were well under the 25. Uh, We had like 12 people or so. I Um, uh, Sorry, real quick. I just read a story about a a person that uh, rented an Airbnb mansion and they mm -hmm. had 300, no, 700 people. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 700. And the owner of the house was like, well, once they got to 200, I left. So, and you're like, two, at that point, like 200, dude. What the fuck are you doing? Who how, even how do wants that, that many people at a who, thing? Who knows that many people? How do that's you like, trust that many people around yeah. a mansion? You just, that's like, yeah. My, that's like me inviting everybody on Facebook and they all went. <laughs> it's like, I trust you guys, but I don't trust like yeah. people I've met three times to not steal or ruin something at a mansion that now I'm financially responsible for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I would never like I would feel nervous if I was Natasha and had 12. I mean, with us, it was a good crew. But I mean, you know what I mean? Like you never know if someone just swipes something or like yeah. breaks something and hides it. And then, yeah, but like, you're, you know, you're thinking of it. it as when you're at in a financial position where you're so willing to have just 700 people at a place, you're yeah. already beating the financial concerns that in That's constraints true. that I think uh, us – um, you know, less important and valuable people go, go through. No, but seriously, like you don't give a fuck if you're having 700 people at a thing, and clearly you don't give a fuck about society because yeah. that's crazy. Like you feel a sense of guilt or like, oh, I'm not being the most perfect steward when I'm at a social gathering with uh, 11 other people. But so, what was the thing with the chain smokers? So they had a concert in Southampton. They called it "quote unquote" safe and sound, and okay. you can see the photos and videos, and it did not look safe or sound um, because people were, you know, it's like the crowd mosh a lot that you see, not as moshy, but just like the margins on a mosh pit were added thirty percent, and it needed to be like one hundred and fifty percent. Yeah, and you're like. Clear and of all bands, it's a perfect band to have it happen to because Chain Smokers are this like college fratty douche rap group duo yeah. that I mean you can look it up. This guy sang live at an MTV at an MTV show, and I, on, honestly, I'll go out on a limb. Brett, I have a better voice than him. And <laughs> if you watch it, it's like you're like, wow, that was your number one. It bums me out that you got the chance to perform for two million people and there's a legitimate amazing singer who didn't. But there have always been fratty douchebags and one of their early things was they put a, on their website, on like the homepage, it said 15 inches, the the combined length of the chain smokers' penises. Wow. <laughs> uh, wow, you know, that's so lame. It's so lame. It's so Especially because one guy has a 12 inch one. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's but, so cool. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's crazy. I didn't realize that was the in Southampton the same weekend we were there. But um, the funny thing is, is I didn't tell I didn't tell you guys this yet, but uh, we got tagged in a whole bunch of pictures on like Facebook. And like we were like, first of all, everybody who was there, like, has taken this seriously yeah uh, and everybody wears masks when they go out and you know washes their hands and shit like that and also like 
the majority of the time I feel like we were actually together was outside in a pool. Yeah. And there's a lot of evidence to show that like UV light and also you're in a pool with chlorine. Like it's, it's, it's a, if someone had it there, I think it would have been harder to catch in a pool outside. But I also was pretty confident that no one there had it. But uh, there was a picture of all of us together in a pool and it was posted on Facebook and we all got tagged in it. And then uh, Sarah's relatives started messaging her going, what are you doing? So we untagged ourselves from all the photos because I was like, oh, shit, we're going to get ostracized by people. Yeah, I I, I saw that and I was just like once I got tagged I was like yeah like yeah. not that not that I care but it's also like you don't want the headache of other people going like that's all it is it's I like actually, I was there and like the, we were making jokes like this is the photo in the newspaper that's yeah exactly it's gonna be posted when we all get COVID like we were aware of what was going on but I still stand that what we did was all in guidelines and the, we used to kept below 25 people the vast majority of the time we were like close to each other was outside when we were inside we didn't wear masks but i don't feel like we were ever on top of each other inside either so Mm i and i also feel a sense of like you know yeah we weren't perfectly perfect perfect but you take calculated risks because yeah also maybe even your mental health it you know I've been, we've been, I think we've been good during quarantine. I don't think it's insane to once see friends in a calculated, like cautious scenario. And also nobody's like, everybody's pretty much quarantined for the next two weeks. Like nobody's going out and doing more stuff. Exactly. That Chainsmokers concert was fucking dope though. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I snuck off (laughs) and went to the concert. Had to go, man. It's once in a lifetime opportunity. The tickets were $25,000, FYI. <laughs> That's actually true if you read the no article. No way. Yeah, because of the distancing and all that, the tickets to the Southamptons Chainsmokers concert were twenty-five grand. Twenty-five grand, And they I, still had a crowd? Dude, I mean, they. Uh, I can double-check it. Chainsmokers concert. That's that's immoral, man. Tickets cost up to, I should say, up to. Up to. Okay, so like the, but that's still like that means the cheapest ones probably two grand. Yeah, the cheapest ones are still a lot. That can make you. There wasn't like forty, fifty dollar tickets. That's fucking nuts, man. So, uh, oh, here's why. Here's a reason why I'll perpetually just think the chainsmokers are douchebags. At one point when I worked at Now This, uh, me and a buddy. It was like a promotional piece with some startup at the time. Let's just call it – I don't even remember. But it's one of those names where they – it's a startup name that has like a Z in it pointlessly and it – I don't know. It's like – you know what I mean? Like they have to like uniquify their spelling to like make it – Here's the rule. Naming a startup, if it's two words, you have to – smash them together and then have a capital letter separating the two words instead of a space. And then yep. if there's a vowel, you just take the vowel out. Uh, so if it ends in ER, it just ends in R now, you know, you, you just take the vowels out. Like that's the rules of having a startup. You have to name it just like that. That's absolutely right. So I'm cutting in the video, the people who are the subjects of a word, the chain smokers got interviewed and like, I just remember having to watch this interview and going, I just had to watch an hour interview with people who never should be remotely interviewed. 
And I have to <laughs> edit it together into these pieces. And the question that stuck out the most to me was this interviewer goes, and he was also, it was like a guy who like, because now the Chansworks are like a little rich and famous and like cool, the cool college frat duo. Like he was like, dude. And he was like, so like, you know, now that you guys are like kind of blowing up, like, is it way easier to get chicks? And then one chain smoker, a goes, that was actually never a problem before. (laughs) It just made me go like, Oh, I, I just wanted to vomit on my keyboard because of how jealous I was of that lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs) That's so douchey, man. I just remember when they had, I don't even remember the song now, but I remember seeing them, I don't know, like an award show or something in there. And I remember just going like, oh yeah, these are the people who will either be dead or irrelevant in five years. Sadly, that was five years ago. And there's well, they just had a COVID concert, so we'll see, maybe. Yeah, but but it's it's that they're that type of person who think it's still awesome to get laid a lot in your like (laughs) late 20s, early 30s. And you're like, if you're out just trying to like, fuck around in your late 20s early 30s i'm like button it up like quit <laughs> being a loser and choose someone to be alone with you know what i mean yeah it's the eternal bachelor guy is never interesting i think aside from leo yeah that's true <laughs> because he's also his art's actually good so, but what makes Leo interesting isn't that he fucks supermodels wearing an iPad and, you know, like headphones <laughs> in. What makes Leo interesting is his amazing art. No, but that is, that's a direct, it's not a symptom of his interestingness, but it is a direct result of his interestingness. Well, you know, it's funny. It's like, I never knew anything about the chain smokers. I just heard their songs on the radio. But now that you tell, told me all this stuff like the idea that your band's name is the chain smokers is really annoying you know what mm-hmm. i mean like that's so douchey like oh we're the chain smokers dude we smoke so fucking much so fucking hardcore yeah it's just they're just caught i just knew that guy at my university i just knew that guy who wore lax pennies and just like fancying themselves a DJ. They were the person, they're the people who fancy themselves a DJ and somehow the industry fancied themselves back. And and you're like, I knew 15% of the camp college campus I went to was like, yeah, I'm like a DJ. No, you're not. You're a guy with a fucking iPhone and Spotify premium. So, uh, but, uh, we, we did have a big music weekend, uh, at some point, Brett played the entire Taylor Swift album folklore for everybody, and he like he like pretty much went. You went on a rant because I came downstairs, and you were like in a really passionate rant about how awesome Taylor Swift was and is. It was less of a rant, more of a soliloquy, but uh, <laughs> it was a beautiful. I mean, dude, it's why we like art and music is you should be able to def- to defend it. And I think T Swift gets a lot of unnecessary bullshit. We got to talk about Forkalore more next episode because I think we're winding down. But um, yeah. I can defend Taylor Swift. I don't even think she's someone that should have to be defended. I think there is a prejudice and a bias toward how much we artistically rate her. Because she is a uh, white girl that came from country that we used to know her songs when she was 15. And 
she's like a, a you know a blonde female and i think we think this all like only the great songwriters can be like paul simon lookalikes and they got to come from a coffee shop and wear <laughs> kind of a cool hat and mm-hmm. no i think the fact that she wrote songs as a 15 16 year old is as valid and that's awesome that someone cataloged that life experience yeah. it's just as valid as even some of the more pivotal great pieces of art that yeah you know uh, I, I agree, actually. I mean, I'm not – I don't dislike her music in any way at all. Her genre is not like my biggest go-to, but I realize that she has some songs that are catchy and good. And what's impressive about her is that she writes her own music. And um, she has collaborations, but it's always with like other artsy people. And it's not it's not manufactured music, which a lot of pop music sadly is, where like – you know, there's a hot girl who everybody, you know, jailbait ass is what the joke is. Where everybody everybody <laughs> wants to name? bang her. So they're like, quick, Luke, write Dude. 11 pop songs, have her sing them, and then we'll sustain a career. And then other people are making money off of her. Like Taylor Swift started at a young age, but you get the sense that it's not the same like predatory type of, you know, like no one was like, talking about how they wanted to f- they can't wait until taylor swift's legal like they did with Britney Spears, <laughs> you know what i mean like and jessica simpson and jessica simpson's sister uh that's who she is now by the way she's back to being jessica simpson's <laughs> sister. but yeah there's integrity uh to taylor swift and partly i did watch the documentary on netflix which i obviously was made by her so it's you know, it's there's some of it's propaganda, but a lot of it's truth. And yeah, I have a ton of respect for her. Uh, so I, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess it's just like she's not my thing, but I'll never criticize someone for liking her. So, real quick, Brett, uh, you just said that um, it's like she's valid because it's worth having someone catalog the blonde white girl, 15, 16 year old experience, right? Sure. Or yeah, I mean, it wasn't like a racial thing when she's fifteen. <laughs> no, sure. no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah. So, and with that, in that line of logic, wouldn't it be valid for someone to, oh, for the God. chain smokers, <laughs> to catalog the frat rock douchebag experience? Yes, I understand what you're saying, <laughs> but I feel like there's a cynicism with the way that they approach music that doesn't exist with Taylor Swift, and that she's an actual wordsmith and. A, a songwriter and those guys she's an artist there she really is an artist like look how much yeah. she is continually and like you know evolves herself and her sound christian you obviously don't know where she's been and what she's done as well as i do but on her eighth album to do a really stripped down like kind of indie folk album oh i'm aware brett <laughs> no, i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm aware because i spent a weekend don't, with you, you told <laughs> don't know, patronize I know, me i know i know sorry I'm, I know, but it's like, you know, when you get your soapbox about wrestling, I, I'll take a soapbox yeah. about some great music artists. Like That's fine. She made a great folk album, indie folk album, after doing her most mature pop album, after doing her worst album, after doing her best pure bop album of like, oh my God, these are just all bangers. And so, and then before that, it was country. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, I, she reminds I mean, this is going to be a weird comparison, but she's kind of like Kobe Bryant in that he just loved the process. Like he loved waking up at five, going to the gym. Uh, 
he loved, you know, after games to stay after and shoot to improve. Like all of the tangible things that make people great. Like if you love the process, you're you'll be really great. And she's clearly just loves writing songs and she loves making music. So there that's where there's no like cynicism like you get with the chain smokers where you get the sense that it's overly uh what's the word like contrived like this is like oh it's taylor swift so we better create a new album now because it's been this long and now she needs to make it's all like it all serves her uh as an artist which is interesting yeah and it uh i mean it's it stems from like actually just wanting to write songs and you get a sense. I mean, a person like that has under a ginormous amount of pressure because it's like, oh wow, it's no longer just me making my little art, and it's now like families eat because of what I do. And yeah. granted, everyone on her team has had. I mean, they're they're in the eastern part of the Hamptons. Any or anyone on her team, yeah. But th- I don't know. There's just a, a pressure that, and so she's continually been interesting, and. I think the public, you know, based off the documentary I saw, like a healthier relationship with her public image has helped her art in a weird way. Whereas the one, her worst album, I don't think she had a healthy relationship with her public image. I think she was too obsessed with it. But yeah, I mean, it's just a good album. I mean, she got Bon Iver on it. Like, how am I not going to get an erection from that? Like. <laughs> <laughs> And with that, I think that's a good place to close. <laughs> that's my official review. How am I not going to get an erection from this? That's very good. All right. Guys, where can everybody find you? At Brett Raybold. Wait, go. In Brooklyn. Just find me on the streets, son. I'm <laughs> out here. Uh, and on Instagram. Nick underscore Whitmer. Christian Duran SVP and King Latifah on Spotify and all the places you stream your music. After you're done streaming Taylor Swift's album, give me a stream. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so Peace. much. Peace. See you next week. Bye.